0: This afternoon, congregation, we deal with Lord's Day 16 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 16, page 530 in the Book of Praise. And we confess there from the Word of God the the following. Why was it necessary for Christ to humble himself even unto death? Because of the justice and truth of God, satisfaction for our sins could be made in no other way than by the death of the Son of God. Why was he buried? His burial testified that he had really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death is not a payment for our sins, but it puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thankfulness. Why is there added he descended into hell? In my greatest sorrows and temptations, I may be assured and comforted that my Lord Jesus Christ, by his unspeakable anguish, pain, terror, and agony, which he endured throughout all his sufferings, but especially on the cross, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell so far our confession brothers and sisters in the Lord and boys and girls who belong to the Lord if you look at the Christian faith from the outside it's actually a pretty strange religion right who would be who, who would be interested in putting their faith and someone who died sounds foolish and the apostle paul writes about that in 1 corinthians chapter 1 jews look for a sign greeks seek after wisdom but we preach christ crucified to the jews a stumbling block and to the greeks foolishness a crucified christ a savior who died Christians seek their salvation, their lives, their happiness, their future, their present in someone who died. Well, that death is what we confess in Lord's Day 16, which we deal with this afternoon. Jesus knew he was going to die, that that was his purpose here on earth for being here, his task when he went around teaching and healing during the three years of his ministry on earth, there were already attempts to put him to death. Those attempts failed. He was able to escape death, sometimes in miraculous ways. Think of when the people of his hometown wanted to throw him off a cliff. But those attempts failed because, as he said it's not my time yet. He controlled the time and the manner of his death. And that's why when he journeyed from Galilee to the Passover in Jerusalem during the third year of his ministry, it says from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must die and how he must die. And with that in mind, I... Proclaim to you the Word of God as we confess that in Lord's Day 16 with this theme I believe in Jesus Christ who died. We see three things in connection with that first, his death, secondly, his burial, and thirdly, his descent into hell. Those are all included then in his death. Jesus' death, he died. He died. A few days after Jesus' crucifixion, there was doubt about that among Christians even. There were Christians who claimed that Jesus had not been a, a complete true man, a mortal man, and, and therefore did not really die, didn't truly suffer physical death. And it's especially the Apostle John who in his Gospels and letters His gospel and letters resisted that heresy. It was called the heresy of Gnosticism. We read in John 19 how how Jesus died. John was there as eyewitness. He saw how the soldiers checked to see whether those three crucified men on Golgotha were dead or whether they were alive yet. And when they came to Jesus, they concluded this man is already dead. No sign of life, but just to to make sure, doubly sure, one of the soldiers stuck a spear into his side. No reaction. Blood and water came out, proving that he had really died. Physical death. What exactly happened when he died? Well, it's really if you think about it, it's very difficult to say what exactly happens when someone dies. What we can say on the basis of the Bible then is that there's a separation here. A separation takes place. The, The physical body remains. But there is also something that departs. That person is no longer there anymore. Jesus gave up his spirit, is how John describes his death in John 19, verse 30. In the light of the Bible, the rest of the Bible, we say that the soul leaves the body. At death, people's being, their consciousness, their feelings, their will, their character, their personality, everything that makes them a unique person is gone here. It has departed. Only a lifeless body is left there. And those bodies eventually return to dust. But the person is no longer here. A believer's spirit, we confess, lives on with the Lord. I have to think here of a mother in one of my previous congregations who was afraid to tell her nine or ten-year-old daughter, that that grandma had died. The grandma she held very dear. She's going to be heartbroken, she said to me. This uh, little girl's going to be heartbroken. But when she told her daughter, the girl said, oh, grandma's going to be so happy now. She's with the Lord. That's how it is from the, the mouths of children. Congregation, Jesus died really truly died his body hung there on the cross the soldiers concluded that he was dead took his body down from the cross his spirit his being his personality was with the father in heaven that's what he said himself when he died father into your hands i commit my spirit And that's what he said to the criminal who was crucified with him, the one criminal. Today you will be with me in paradise. That means in heaven with God the Father. So yes, our Savior died. Our Savior died. Jews and Greeks and others may think it's foolish to believe in someone who died, to put your hope in the death of someone but the apostles didn't adjust their message because people thought it was foolish. They preached Christ crucified, that he had died and people today too may find it strange that we entrust ourselves to someone who died so long ago, but we keep faith in him, right? And you might wonder why Jesus actually had to die. Was there no other way to redeem sinners? We acknowledge that God created man good that he chose against God in paradise in the beginning, and hence of himself still chooses against God today. And we also acknowledge that choosing for Satan and against God was punishable by death. But did God have to be so strict about it, you'd wonder? Why couldn't he have just let our sins go? You know, overlooked it all. We often let things go when people do things to us. Oh, what's the use? Just let it go. It's not worth it. Why couldn't God have done that? Why so harsh and exacting about our sins? But is it, when you think that through, is it really right to think that way at all? Imagine imagine that a a 20-year-old man ingratiates himself to a well-to-do senior, and imagine that the young fellow steals all the senior's money and spends it all on booze and drugs and travels to Las Vegas and all kinds of loose living. Eventually, the young man gets arrested, but the money's all gone, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Imagine that the young man then Has to go to court and then he stands there in court and he says, Please, judge, have mercy and let me go. And please don't make me pay back the money, or I'll be poor for the rest of my life. My life will be ruined, and you don't want to you want me to live in poverty for the rest of my life, do you? How would you react to that kind of request? I think I think you'd realize something isn't right here. There's an injustice being done. You'd want justice done. The young fellow should pay for his crime. Justice has to be done. We people who sin are like the young man. And God is the senior, the victim of our criminal actions, you could say. Of course, he's also the judge. But why should there suddenly be no need for justice to be done in in our case? Why would we expect God to simply overlook our injustice done to him? Because we feel, feel sorry for ourselves like the young man who stole did? Let's not forget that what we people have done to God is even a lot worse than what that young man did to the senior. We wouldn't think of comparing that young man's theft of hundreds of thousands of dollars from that senior with stealing a chocolate bar from a store, would we? Well, by the same token, we can't compare sinning against God with what that young man did to that senior either. It's much, much more than that. And you realize then, too, that because of the magnitude of what we do to God with our sins, justice has to be done. Okay, that shows why I, a sinner, need to die. But why did Jesus Christ need to humble himself even to death? He never, ever sinned. He always did exactly what God the Father wanted. He suffered because of what the Father wanted from us, too. And then he said, it is finished. So why did he still have to die? Well, congregation, because God promised us that he would die. That's what God had promised God had said to man after the fall, I will send a Savior. And we could never finish bearing the punishment we deserve for our sins. We'd perish under the eternal punishment for sin. But God's Son was able to carry that burden and finish carrying it to the end. And God had promised from the beginning already, He would send, actually He would send His Son, who was the Son of Man too, to perish under the burden of our sins, of His wrath against our sins. God's Son became one of us, as we remember this month. And for that reason, He came in order to die for us. God cannot die. God is immortal. But God's Son became mortal man, the mortal man, Jesus Christ, in order to die. And he died then for us in our place. God sent him to die for us. That's why he died. That's why we embrace him in faith. He died the death we should have died. Because he died, we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. It has lost its sting, its power. Whoever is convinced in his or her heart that Jesus died for them and who trusts in the power of his death doesn't have to be afraid of death anymore. Death for believers is not the end of life. It's a step in the process of life, to life eternal. Death is a doorway to eternal life. And therefore we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. I know this sounds just as absurd as believing in somebody who died, but that's how it is. This is is how the Bible reveals it. The foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we believe in Christ crucified and we live and we die in the comfort of that faith. And then we come to the second point of the sermon this afternoon too, Christ's burial. The burial of Jesus Christ is explicitly described in the Gospels too. He died, and he was buried. There can be no doubt, congregation, that he was really, truly buried. His body was laid in a tomb, embalmed and, and put in this grave, even though that had to happen in haste because of the coming of the Sabbath day, and it was a high day because it was the day after, after Passover. From Matthew's account, we know that the tomb was even sealed and Roman soldiers were placed there to guard it. In other words, even Jesus' enemies were completely sure that his body had been placed in the tomb, that he was buried there. And Jesus' friends also, in the first day of the week, they went to the tomb to pay their final respects to his body yet, and when they saw that the tomb was empty, they were completely shocked, because they had watched as it was laid there. They had witnessed that themselves, so the Gospels give ample testimony that Jesus had really been buried in that tomb. Why was he buried? Lord's Day 16 gives a very short answer. His burial testified that he had really died. And you shouldn't read this as meaning that that the fact that he was buried was proof of his death itself. Burial in itself doesn't prove someone has died. He could have been buried alive in those days when there was no way to check brain waves and and heartbeats with technology. And hadn't the soldiers on Golgotha proved Jesus was dead already with that spear in his side? No. Jesus' burial showed that he had gone the full extent of death. That his body was truly given over to the power of death. If his body remained there in the tomb, it would disintegrate, return to dust. Yes, the people involved in his burial embalmed his body. They wanted to keep his body with them as long as it could yet. But the embalming showed that they knew that his body would disintegrate like all other bodies placed in tombs. That's why they embalmed it, that his body would return to dust. Dust you are, and to dust you will return, God had said to Adam and Eve after the fall. And that statement about returning to dust, in that statement you see the true depth of having really died, as mentioned in Lord's Day 16. Because of the fall into sin, people die and are no longer seen among the living. Their bodies normally return to dust. They have no place here in this life. That's the curse which God spoke out over fallen man in the beginning. It isn't only so that a person's spirit or soul is separated from their body. No, the body also disintegrates, disappears, returns to dust. Over time, it becomes part of the earth again. And so the righteousness and justice of God require that Jesus not only die, but that his body also be given over to the power of death, be buried, placed in the tomb, as happens with all bodies of those who have died. He had to bear the full curse of God against sin, and burial was part of that. So, what does Jesus' burial mean for us then? What, what makes his burial so special that we even confess that in the Apostles' Creed? He was buried? Well, his burial shows that he was fully, completely given over to the power of death as a Savior in order to free us completely from that power. He died in order to overcome death for us, he was buried in order to overcome the grave for us. And so just as death doesn't have to make us afraid anymore because it's a doorway to eternal life for our souls, so the grave doesn't have to be, uh, make us afraid anymore either because it's a step to the glorification of our bodies. In the grave, our bodies return to dust. Jesus' body was laid in the dust of the earth for a time. And he, he overcame what causes our bodies to return to the dust. That curse. And so he not only saved our souls from eternal death, but saved our bodies from eternal disintegration. Death is not the end for our souls, and the grave is not the end anymore for our bodies. Because Jesus was buried, the grave has in fact become a kind of a waiting room for our bodies, we could say. And that's why the Apostle Paul also speaks about believers having fallen asleep when he speaks of death. He said that to emphasize the temporary nature of the grave, of physical death. Our bodies are asleep in the grave until the day of the resurrection. Our souls live with the Lord. Our bodies are asleep in the tomb until the day of the resurrection. Then our bodies will be raised glorious and immortal. The same bodies as were buried, but then perfected. Glorified. Bodies become bodies that never break down or disintegrate anymore. On the new earth, we won't be ethereal spirits or so. We'll be people with physical bodies, as we are now. We'll be us, body and soul. And then our salvation will be complete. The redemption of body and soul. We come to the last part of the sermon. Jesus died and was buried, and he descended into hell. Hell. Hell is the opposite of heaven, congregation, whereas heaven is the place of God's blessing, where God's goodness shines on everything. Hell is the place of God's curse, the absence of God. Sometimes hell is represented as the place where the devil reigns supreme. As God is enthroned in heaven, it's said, so the devil is enthroned in hell. That's not really how it is. Hell is also the place of the devil's punishment and pain. Hell isn't actually the devil's domain, but it's a no-man's land, an empty place, a place of complete forsakenness, aloneness total loneliness Jesus knew what hell was like during his sufferings over his life the time of his life he had to deal with aloneness already he suffered anguish and torment from from people all around him as well as from devils first people came to him in crowds But at a certain time, later on, they all left him again. They forsook him. The disciples stayed with him longer. One of them betrayed him, though. And he said, one of you is a devil. Imagine being betrayed by his own disciple who had seen and experienced so much at his side. And the other disciples also forsook him when he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter went along yet to the high priest's palace to see what would happen to Jesus, but he denied any association with Jesus. I don't know this man. I swear. And so Jesus was completely forsaken by men. He was forsaken as he hung there on the cross. Hanging on that cross, as we mentioned last Sunday too, meant that he was cursed. He was rejected by the earth, also Rejected by heaven. And that aloneness of hanging on the cross became even more intense when everything became completely dark for three hours. And during that three hours, the Son of God made man, knew himself totally rejected by God Himself. Congregation, there can be no doubt. That Jesus descended into hell on the cross, while on the cross. That He experienced fully in body and soul before His death everything that there is to experience in hell, everything that those in hell will experience in the future. He experienced forsakenness as no other creature has experienced it. Not only had those around him left him alone, God, his Father whom he loved with perfect love, who he looked to and depended on during his whole life here on earth, God had forsaken him. And even the people in hell in the future will not experience that kind of forsakenness, being forsaken by the one you love as Christ loved his Father. So he experienced not only terrible pain in body, also the complete horror of the forsakenness of the soul. And that's what hell is about. It's not just that you meet the devil there. No, hell is a place of terror and agony for the devil too. He, he's afraid of going there, of being being limited to hell. The suffering of hell is that God isn't there forever. There's not a spark of his goodness to see there. No one